I heard something too. I heard Brian talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Am I good to go again? Jesus declares that on occasion, a storm will come that tests whether our practices are built on a rock or upon the sand. As we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, we unpack five shifts the church must make to ensure our foundation is on the rock. Believe it or not, we have made it to the fifth and final shift of this season two of the Disciples Made podcast. We have been looking at five... five. Easy. (laughs) Emphasize it correctly. Five shifts that a (laughs) COVID-19 world kind of requires of us, the church. And uh, we're not going to take the time to go back and check out those series. I hope you'll hit the uh, subscribe button, go back, look at those. We don't want you to ever miss another part of what we're doing. We're on a journey here together. I want to remind you of the awesome guests that we have. we got Rob Wagner, who's been... I'm not a guest. We're family. Well, you are family. You're a host. But we've got one who feels like a guest because he was out for a little while on vacation. It's been a hot minute. Then sick. Brian Johnson, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Yeah, so Home Depot uh, decided to run a marketing campaign a number of years ago that has stuck, and it has not gone away for well over a decade, Hmm. and so it must be working. It must be working, and I've already kind of mentioned it, but we uh, are rolling with this theme for the church, not just home building materials. <laughs> yeah. Do we get a uh, cut of this? As we did, keep can, we, can we get some of this? So it, the idea is moving from we can do it, you can help, to you can do it, we can help. And then the uh, business you know, environment, they were basically saying, you've got a home project, you're used to paying people to do it, you're smart, you're capable, you have time. It's a meaningful thing to invest in kind of upgrading your own property or servicing or maintaining your own property. We wanna come alongside you and help you do it. It's amazing to me how long that has stood the test of time. Now, Brian's gonna ask us some questions to get us going on what does this mean for us? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a pretty simple question to start off with. I was thinking about it this morning as I was uh, just getting ready for this, thinking through what we're going to talk about. And with Home Depot, it's pretty clear um, when they say, you can do it, we can help. There's an assumption of you have a home project, you can do that home project, we can help you accomplish it. They even have classes that you can show up for at the store, the Mm. big box, and watch them do the thing so that when you go home, you go, oh, I remember this is how he laid tile in that four by four square space. Um, Now I have to do this whole bathroom. But anyway, I was trying to just put myself in the shoes of someone listening, someone that is, uh, you know, connecting in with what we're talking about. And you hear this phrase, you can do it, we can help. So that means I can do something. And I know it's disciples made or disciple making or church. So there's that assumption. I can make disciples. Is that clearly what you mean when you say you can do it, we can help? Like, what, what is it specifically that I can do that you can help me do? Why don't we start with the other one first, and then I'll come back and try to answer that. Rob, what do we mean by we can do it, you can help, and why do we need to move away from that? Well, think about it this way. I go to Home Depot, and I've got a particular issue I need addressed. And we've done a lot of projects at our house, actually, last couple of months. It would be really weird if I came in and they said, Actually, there's five different projects you can choose from. And I'd be, but I, 
I want to do this. Like, no, there's, there's five different projects. You can do one of these five things. And now if you want to help with that, we can make a space, but you actually need us to do this. Hmm. Like Home Depot, we're going to come to your house and we're going to do it. And if you want to learn how to hold the hammer and be the hammer person, we'd love for you to be a part of it. And together we will make your house better. But really, it's us, and you get to help with the hammer. Are they even really saying that, or is it like you can pick from one of these five projects at our house? <laughs> that that's a great point. So now let's extrapolate. Yeah, you know, yeah, let's say everybody strong. So let's back up and let's, <laughs> let's, let's that, let's that escalated quickly. It's clear. It's clear. We want clear, and we don't want to avoid the hard conversations, but. Uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, like, so, illustrate that. Well, if you if you consider everybody is called the disciple making, every fellow of Jesus. But then within that there is a personal calling. So within that primary calling, there's a personal calling. That's a good distinction. That's helpful. Yep. And and if we are actually here to walk in that set body of good works and to accomplish it, it's like I have a project. Jesus has given me a project, but when you interface with most local churches, uh, churches I've led, uh, churches, yeah, churches that we've led, led, right? Yeah, yeah. People come in and typically there's a limited menu of what it means to be in mission and ministry. And and it's typically we have men's ministry, women's ministry, children's ministry. We may have arts ministry. We have some kind of ministry to the poor, you know, or at the homeless center or uh, we have some kind of global ministry. And then there's these very defined roles. It's like if you want to be involved with global ministry, we do these trips or you can be in this support role. Children's ministry, we need volunteers to do these classrooms at these times. So you come in and it's basically, hey, here are your options. Here's a role within those options. And the subliminal message is, we are the ones who execute mission and ministry as the professionals, as the organized church. And if you wanna get involved, here's a limited role that you can go ahead and jump in to help us accomplish the mission of Jesus. And the whole conversation about we're all called to make disciples, and then within that you have a personal calling, to be honest, it doesn't even come up in most churches. Gotcha. So what you're saying is, to, to, to fulfill the illustration that you used, I can come in with a dream of how God wants to use me to your church. And then what will happen is the imagination I brought in gets limited down to the imagination of the people that have created and lead this particular organization. And I've got certain slots to choose. Yeah. And if it doesn't fit one of those slots, yeah. I mean, honestly, the, again, the, the medium is the message. And so then it's like, Oh, my passion, my gift doesn't fit these slots. Then you start to feel either like I'm on the Island of misfit toys. I don't fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there something wrong with me? Or am I, or sometimes it's even perceived as rebellious. Like, hey, you need to, you know, this is what we're doing as the church. We need you involved. And if your gifts or passion don't fit it, then sometimes a church leader might look at you like you're not. Gosh, the danger of what we're communicating that could be, you can't do it. You need our help. It is. I'm thinking of someone who is at, has been in the prevailing model for a long time, really passionate, called, had a traumatic life event. And out of it, Jesus called her to a particular ministry and a mission where she lives. And when she brought it to her pastor, 
you know, his response was, well, here's the initiatives we have going. We'd love for you to be involved with this. And that was it. Wow. And it was very clear to her. The message was, this isn't going to happen here. Yeah. No, we don't really have a space for this. So if you're going to do it, I guess go do it, but don't expect us to help. Like don't expect support or equipping because we're doing these five things and we really hope that you get involved. And then she was invited to be a greeter. Yeah. So it's like I came with this, had a profound kind of road to Damascus encounter with Jesus about my role, what he wants me to do in the world. And I went to talk to my pastor and he asked me to be a greeter. So I'm having this little bit of tension. And I know Brian's got an idea. I want to give him some space after this to to spit it out. But this tension is in my head going, well, I can't do everything at this church. Like I'm assuming that a person listening to this podcast right now is saying, well, I can't do that. So where are you guys going with this? We'll get there. Hold on to that. We'll get there because it's there is an answer to that. And it's w- critical. What but. we're not saying is you have to pay for everyone's mission, yeah. that you have to put everybody's mission in the bulletin, yeah. right. that everybody has to get up front yep. and talk about their mission from the platform. That is not what we're saying. Definitely That not. would be a circus. Brian, where were you going to go? That's one side. The other side is just that feeling of, I remember leading our you know, local global mission, and I had those conversations with people. All the time. So sitting in the other chair of like hearing it and going, that sounds cool. I don't know how to help you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, right. I, I, Even if you have I, a great heart. Yeah. It's like, I, don't. I have to tell you no, because I really don't know what to do for you right now. And I hope that you'll go do it. Like, yeah. you know, Rob, you converted me on a lot of that where it was like moving to this place of we shouldn't force everyone into our little boxes. And we really want people to own the mission that Jesus gave them. And... You know, I think that sometimes as leaders, we just sit in that place of like, you know, kind of wide eyed. I don't know what to do or what to say next or how to help you take even the first step into this thing that Jesus might be calling you to do. I was just telling you all that story this morning, too, of like I worked at Home Depot, Hmm. you know, and I wasn't an expert. And I just faked it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It was this constant sort of like. Yeah, I'm a I'm a outside garden expert, and most people could see right through it. You know, I mean, I was great at you know, like I said, throwing pine straw in the back of people's trucks. But so I know that there's this feeling of inadequacy sometimes, and so that that's the other side that's just important to address as we think about this more holistic conversation. Is you know, we're not trying to create some some guilt or some weight like we want. We also want to sit here and say we want to help you be able to help other people do That's this. That's right. And yeah. we literally exist for that. We've, Absolutely. We've created tools and pathways and kits to help a church implement like soup to nuts. Yeah. And because it is hard work. It, t- it took me, I was fortunate and so were you guys to be in larger churches where we were given permission to experiment with this. Yeah. And to start trying to innovate. Okay, we need another pathway for mobilization that doesn't just push people into the programs of the church. Right. We're all for that. May that flourish and thrive, but we need a parallel pathway that unleashes people yeah. into every corner of culture. And and I do think every church leader should be open to that conversation. Like, okay, what would that look like? Yeah, I How hope can so. I start taking small steps in that direction? Yeah, because the pinch that Brian was describing just a couple of moments ago was and I'm going to put, try to put some more words to it. When people would come to me of ideas of what the church could do, my first gut reaction was I am responsible to help them manage and grow that 
I mean, and if, and I felt talk about feeling inadequate as the employee at Home Depot who doesn't know how to help people accomplish the project that God has put on their mind. I used to feel like I was responsible to help them do that. And I didn't have it. Now here's an awareness. This might be the most important thing that comes out on this, but I hope not. It seems to me that if the Holy Spirit was capable of giving them an idea, the Holy Spirit is probably bright enough and capable enough to give them the plan Mm. and the relationships and the strategies to accomplish that if we have adequately prepared them to talk with him and follow him in that process. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably the most important thing you could have said. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we mean by the second part of this. Mm -hmm. We're talking about, we're not saying anymore, we can do it, you can help. That's a burden we put on ourselves, and it's a cap we put on people. What we're saying is you can do it, we can help. Do what? We can help you understand the God-given mission, masterpiece mission that he has given to every individual that comes into our orbit. And we can help you develop that dependence upon him in a way that you can fulfill what he has done. Not alone. Mm-mm. But in partnership with other people who were on the same journey and in the same process, what's amazing to me is after 10 years of Disciples Made groups uh, in this area of town, like in Shawnee and Alexa and around Kansas City, the network of relationships that have evolved and the partnerships between what we might call normal people, not church professionals, that are in tandem, leveraging their gifts and their abilities and their resources to come together and accomplish greater things than anybody could do on their own. It's like this, this, this fountain of God energy has mm-hmm. been released through his people when we took that posture of you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's in you. If God's giving you the ideas, he's going to give you the rest of it. And it's our job to help you re- learn how to be, how to tune. If you're a radio, remember those old radios with the little dial, mm-hmm. they tune in and out of the frequencies before it was all digital. How do you like attune yourself to the leading of the spirit? Not just with the person that you're becoming, but the mission that you've been called to. Yeah. You're something that stood out too, as you're talking, Brian is underneath it, there's an important shift in leadership style. Like in the, we can build it, you can help. You really are, it's a management role and there's a lot of urgency to recruit into the programs and then manage the programs. With the, you can do it, we can help. It's first about equipping. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give you skill sets that help you, for example, learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit under the authority of the word of God and to respond. We're going to equip you on the value of a triad and 12. Mm-hmm. So you know actually how to live in community on mission. We're going to equip you with an understanding about your your gifts, your passion, your story. And then it's a coaching relationship. It's not a managerial relationship. Like now I'm your coach. You're out on the field. You're playing. I'm your cheerleader. Yeah. And, and every once in a while you're going to need some insight on what play to make when. And I might know something because yeah. I've been playing the game maybe a little bit longer than you. Yeah. And that that's a relief. That's huge. It's that's not a burden, that's a joy. Oh, it's a thrill. It's like watching your kids grow up and learn their own sport or to learn their own instrument or to learn their own whatever their passion is. You just start watching your kids walk into the human God created them to be. That's the exact same experience with disciples. And if you're on this call, you're probably thinking, I want more of that. So let's talk a little bit about some of the ways that we incorporated this that uh, just about everybody can get. Then let's kind of wrap up with specific ways disciples made uh, can help 
you accomplish that. Rob, when we did our equivalency of a 101 or an orientation class at Westside, we called it uh, Get Connected. And uh, we intentionally incorporated this shift into that. Like it was all about it. And people, it was, it was different at first because what we were doing was different than the typical orientation class. So what would you say, and, and Brian, this for you as well, because you participated in that, what would you say are the two or three key differences in what we did with our Get Connected and what most churches do in those type of orientation experiences? Well, we started by bringing people in through eHarmony. <laughs> and then we did flash dating. Uh, oh, oh, wait a second. Are, wait a minute, are we, we advertising for something else again? <laughs> Get connected. I was like, huh. I never really thought about what that sounds like. Well, I think most people, they're... <laughs> Their first experience in a get connected experience, whatever your church or organization calls it, is you're coming in and we fire hydrant you, you know, open the valve and just spew for 20, 30 minutes to an hour of here's our history. Here's what we've done. Our theology. Here is who we are. Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, no, don't. No one asked you your name. (laughs) We. I remember being a part of these, you know, in various places or at different experiences. It's like you're hearing a story from 15 years ago or something when when the church got started. It's like, that's, you know, that's that's cool, I guess. What are you doing now? What's next? Hmm. You know, like those were always my thoughts. Um, and I know the shift, one of the shifts that we made within uh, our former experience was like moving from that idea of just telling this history and all of these ideas into not our story, but what's your story? Yeah. We want to know about you. I know within a lot of our rhythms, we talk about like in missionaries may, we talk about the first thing you should do is live like Jesus. And what was the first thing he did? Ask questions, listen, Hmm. just listen before you come with your ideas and your great things, just listen. And so I know that shift. I've heard so many encouraging stories of just, I was really weird, but really cool that you asked about my story first. So that's a major category. We kind of went from having a primary posture of telling to a primary posture of asking. And it wasn't a hundred percent. I mean, there was some sharing that we did, but definitely. I I don't want to miscategorize that. I'm just, I know that's like a, that was like the. It was huge. No, I I mean, I remember when I first came to Westside, I would say 85% of it was us telling. Yeah. And then as it evolved, it got down to maybe 30%. And even the whole thing started rather than an invitation to quote unquote membership in the church we created basically a spiritual survey, an assessment. The mission at Westside was loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, sharing Jesus. And there's three levels of development, which you've heard us talk about before. Explore, which is Jesus saying to Peter, come and see. Develop, which is Jesus saying, come and follow. And then influence, which is Jesus saying, feed my sheep. And, and so we had a matrix, you can see it in your head of nine boxes, mm-hmm. you know, of explore, develop, influence under loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, sharing Jesus. And we organized all the discipling tools and experiences into one of those nine boxes. And then people would take a spiritual interest or maturity assessment to help them figure out where they're at in each one of those. Are they, when it comes to loving Jesus, are they at exploring? Are they at develop? Are they at influence? So they do that for all three. Mm -hmm. So our whole posture is before they've even come into the room, 
we're listening. Like, where are you at on your journey? Yep. What's your current level of interest and maturity? And then we had calling coaches, basically, or uh, whatever you want to call them, at the tables who were there to facilitate conversation. Like, hey, we discovered on Becoming Like Jesus, you're at Develop. Yeah. We have three or four things that we could partner with you on. Like, yeah. you could consider followers made. Let me explain to you what that is. And I, I remember when we made that shift... And we've talked about this a lot. When you listen and then equip, it actually increases loyalty. It doesn't decrease it. People are actually Absolutely. more interested in, what does it mean to be a member of this church? Because yeah. no one's ever taken the time to actually, first of all, help me figure out where I'm at spiritually, and then to offer three or four really targeted, meaningful opportunities for yeah. me to consider. And then a coach who's like, and I'll follow up with you. Like, can we talk again in a month? What would, would work for you? Yeah, it's so good. It's like there's two categories here that I'm hearing. One is we changed the uh, the win from membership to your next step next and becoming step. Uh, God's missionary. You know, it's basically here's the categories. Where are you? You know, here's the challenges you're going to face. Which of those is the biggest, you know, threat to your personal development? And then they, they have conversations about these things around the table. So they're developing an interdependence with people instead of a growing dependence upon us. And then pick your next step. So it's basically like, here's your opportunity to thrive as a human. Here's our toolbox. Open it wide up and say, which one of these tools do you need right now to become that better person? That's that's extraordinary. We use this language in our sermons all the time about how Jesus just met people where they were. You know, he didn't bring, you know, his thing to them. Like he met them where they were and invited them further in. But we're not usually super consistent on that and <laughs> and the way that we do ministry. Yeah. You know, it's like to go back to the original piece where it's like people are coming to a connect class or a membership class and we're not meeting them where they are. We're we're bringing our thing and saying, meet, meet me here. And it ends up having the tone of, it literally feels like this. Oh, we're here trying the, to sell you on Yeah, here's thing. the 50 <laughs> things we're asking you to check the box on. Yeah. And, and then would you, then you can belong. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of, where's God at work in your life? Yeah. And we'd love to meet you there yeah. and ask you to, let's, let's go further into and, what Jesus has for us. And Rob, I got to say it again. I can only, I can feel people saying, if we let people decide what they want, we might lose them. Mm. You know, but then reality, when you truly provide something that great of value to individuals and actually helping them become the human that they want, their loyalty to you goes up mm -hmm. regardless of where their efforts. Uh, and, and it was up. a limited menu. It wasn't. Yeah, it, it was. it, I mean, we basically said, here are the nine boxes of the different phases of spiritual development. Here's what we have to offer. We're not saying, now tell us exactly what you would like for us to do and when you'd like for us to do it. Right. It, it's no, it's interdependence. Yeah. It's like, here's where you're at. Here's what we have to offer. And we do think it would really add value, but we're not here to like hand feed you yep. <laughs> yeah. no, whatever you want. Systems I think the, the language you used to, uh, uh, just another tweak on language within the church would be to move from, you know, membership, come join my thing, be a member of my thing to partnership in the kingdom. Amen. Yeah. That's you know? huge. That's really good. That's absolutely critical. All right, I want to take the rest of our time to uh, to come at this from a little bit different angle. And this is kind of the why you'll, you'll have more buy-in if you go this way. 
Uh, and it has everything to do with adult learning theory, something that I was uh, uh, made privy to early in my time uh, at Westside. And adult learning theory postulates that adults only learn what they need to learn to accomplish the highest value life has to offer. I mean, I could have stopped by saying adults only learn what they have to learn. I don't care to go on and learn something that I don't really need to know. Life is full. Life is busy. You know, my affections are already determined and I have to, I want to be a better person and that's a pretty universal thing. So how does this shift help create that perceived value in adults? Like how does that help accomplish this? You can do it. We can help. What's the relation between the two do you see? I prefer just to act like a child. That's true. In middle school, I mean, this you, is very not true. Only. <laughs> if you only heard all the stuff we deleted, <laughs> Rob getting his middle schooler out before we got going. It's awesome. That's so true. But what do you think? I mean, do you, do you agree with that statement? Adults tend to only learn the things that they have to learn. Oh yeah. It's the, it's parachute jumping. If you're on the ground, it's like, Oh yeah, this is, if you're in the plane mm-hmm. and about to get pushed out, I need to learn about this. this. And I'm going to pay wicked attention to this. And I think people, uh, we're all that way. Like right now, there are literally 57 things I need to grow in that Jesus is not highlighting for me right now Mm. because I can't handle it. I can't work on 57 things. But he'll typically put two or three things on your front page, and it's because you feel the pain typically. Yeah. You know, people change typically because of great suffering or great love. Am I my experience either there's something that's so compelling and winsome in in the love category there's something so painful and hurtful those are the two great motivators for change mm-hmm. and so um and they're both and we need both of them yeah in my experience and you know at disciples made we're outcome focused and the outcomes we focus on are two character and calling mm-hmm. And um, I think Jesus creates the crisis for us in John 10:10 10, 10, when he comes in and he says, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And everyone who stops and listens to that goes, yep, I've seen his work today in me and through me. I have participated in brokenness. And it's a repeat. It's not the first time. I'm consistent in this brokenness. And I want out. And I don't know how to get out. And then Jesus says, but I have come for you to have life and life to the full. Now, my first response to this and what I imagine most people, even church leaders, their response to this is one of cynicism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard that. And I've pretty much shelved it because I don't know how to get there. And there couldn't be a greater crisis in the history of the church than for God's people to resign to one of God's promises like that. And what we've learned is that people do ask two questions, whether consciously or unconsciously. Am I lovable? Will I ever be a person who is lovable, who can love freely, who can receive love freely, who's not overwhelmed by shame and guilt and all the other junk that I bring upon myself or others bring on me? And then the second question is, will my life ever amount to anything? Will I ever have something meaningful to contribute to society? Is there something of value in me? Those two questions haunt us. And as you've heard on previous podcasts, you know, go back and check those out. We won't take the time to unpack it, but those come because we were created for intimacy and influence. And Jesus really does. And this is what we have seen systemically over time. 
to us, though, you can do it, we can help, is we can walk alongside you as Jesus restores everything that was lost and broken in your life and help you become fully alive to the point where you're starting to become someone who is more lovable and loving and freely accepting both in a, in a way that honors God and a way that God blesses, you know, in your relationship. So I've had so many men in my groups where the women, uh, find me at church on Sunday and say, I don't know what you're doing with my husband, but you can never quit. <laughs> and the husband's going, I'm kind of liking what's working out at home with all this. I, I didn't know this was a Jesus kind of thing, but things are just getting so much better. It's so true. And what my are, relationships with my wife and my kids. And yeah, one of the guys at our Thursday night, said literally that exact same thing this week. Mm. He said, my wife keeps telling me, keep going back because yeah. I'm getting a better Craig. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the people he works with literally are asking him, like, you're more alive. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's called fruit of the spirit, yeah. gifts of the spirit. And that's, that's why we talk so much about the intentional disciple-making environment. Totally. There's five ingredients when they're mixed into a relational environment in the proper amounts consistently over time. People see transformation and fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit yeah. you know they need to learn that this is where the the we can help you or rather you can do it we can help this is the help it's yeah. like we we're going to show you how to become habit fueled how to yeah. partner with the holy spirit being changed in character and calling and it has to happen in community it's community forged yeah. so we're going to show you how to do a triad you can't do it without your three we're going to show you you need the 12 you need that team that extended spiritual family it's mission fixated you can't do this staring at your navel you have to be out on mission somewhere engaged in what Jesus is doing, where you live, work, learn, and play, right? And it's content flavored. So this isn't about a data dump. It isn't about you just memorizing a bunch of things and asking if you can pass the test intellectually. It's about having the right content at the right time and letting the gospel be the content that flavors everything. You start mixing those five things together in a relational environment over time mm -hmm. and build in reproduction and people really do begin to um, they're equipped it's like yeah. i know how to do these things yeah you're helping them i can actually help someone else do these things yeah mm -hmm. you know and it's not it's not complicated no but it is very difficult in, yeah. fa <laughs> yeah. in fact rob i want to go so far as to say i have apologized for wanting to make our followers made and leaders made and missionaries made things because i've got this as a pastor, I just kind of grew up going, it's really weird to sell things. But we have these experiences you can start to do today. Mm -hmm. You can start preparing of how to invite effectively people in, in your organization to your church. You can start helping people today. <laughs> and you don't have to learn it all to do it. You can start today. They are fail-proof experiences. And I have gone too long with apologizing for making these available. If you want to lead an IDE, if you want to really just immediately get into IDE and see the fruit of it, all you need to do is sign up and do these things. And listen, if you can do something way better, at least run through it three times with three groups so that you know the ins and outs of an IDE and then abandon our tools and do it. You'll be better on the back end. What you'll probably find out is that you want to just keep using these things to scale. I've always apologized for trying to sell. I'm tired of it. I'm ready to just say, these are here, and we don't price them in a way that's inaccessible. Get a hold of these things. Start using them. Master the process of really making disciples and really seeing people come alive. And then if you can improve it, then tell us what you did, because we want to get better, too. Well, yeah, yeah and that is, that is uh, for example, we've got a pastor who's in Indiana. 
and he's learned the ingredients of the IDE from us. And his church context is such that he really feels like Fowler's Mate is too big of a step. Yeah. And a lot of times in the explore phase, we do recommend things like Alpha. Totally. But he's in a very religious kind of mainline experience and he doesn't feel like Alpha would work. So he's creating something he's calling Rekindle. Yeah. And he's working with Brian and I and he's creating what I think is going to be an amazing IDE. He's doing a really good job. So we are here to walk with leaders who want to create their own IDEs. Right. You know, these will work in a lot of contexts, but we also recognize it's not going to work in every context. Sure. But you, but especially when you're creating your first IDE to have a coach yeah. who's actually been successful in seeing multiplicative and transformative disciple making, it's going to save you a lot of time. Oh, man. Yeah, the challenge is it's it's held in a small group environment, and we have a way of doing small groups that we just slide back into. Just the small group muscle memory will take us back That's true. to avoid the outcomes and things like that. So it's just really helpful to get into that groove. But we certainly can, Coach. We've got tools for that. So uh, one of the pieces, Rob, that um, people need to be aware of before we sign off, and we need to sign off soon, is the GPS stuff. Tell us a little bit like in an abbreviated form, what G, what is GPS? And then I'll share some of the other pieces of a packet that we hope you'll grab today. So we have created an assessment that is actually pointed towards engagement and mission where people live, work, learn, and play. So most of the assessments that have been created are meant to point to the programs of the church. So shape, network. Ours was created with a different end in mind. It was about not discovering a role in a program, it's about discovering your personal calling. So that's very significant. Hmm. Um, There are very few of those tools out there. I know of maybe one other one. It helps people pick up three different signals, your gifts, your passion, your story. So the GPS analogy is 24 GPS satellites, used to be high tech, created by DARPA, used by Jason Bourne. Now it's embedded into everything everywhere, (laughs) right? And so ordinary people can use GPS. You pick up the three signals, shows you where you're at, where you want to go, how to actually get there step by step by step. We're saying there's a similar soul technology. It's not just for a few. It's not just for Billy Graham. It's not just Mm -hmm. for the professional pastor. Everybody has a calling. And if you start listening to the signal of your gifts and your passion and your story, you're going to start picking up not only where you're at, but where God's calling you to go. Mm -hmm. So the assessment um, provides that. But that's just the beginning point. Yeah. So immediately you have a tool to help people. You know, you can do it. We can help. And you're helping them start to take an inventory of the spiritual acumen God is already the calling acumen that God's already put into their life. I want to share with you all the pieces. So we have a free GPS assessment that you can go on and take today. Giftpassionstory.com. You can take that assessment, but here's what we have to offer for you. The church leader, if you're wanting to truly start to help people, uh, walk into their personal calling, our GPS gold kit has incredible resources. First, there is a small group experience. So a lot of people are used to having kind of a campaign. This is a four-week campaign where there's message notes for the pastor. There's small group uh, PDFs for people uh, to go it's through. Video, they're video-based small group. Too. It's video-based small group stuff as well as the, the PDF handout that you send out. And that, the whole church can go through this. But here's the cool part. Uh, with our gold kit, you can also send a link out to all your people or embed that link on your website. And when people follow the link to get to that assessment, then all of their results show up on your dashboard. So you can search through that. You can see what people's gifts are and things like that. It's a really powerful tool. One other element that's in this gold kit that is so critical is really a step-by-step guide of creating a culture of personal calling development in your church. 
I sat down over one weekend to put this whole kit together. And it was basically 10 years of developing personal calling. What did we learn during that 10 years? And if I had to start over, what are the steps I would do with the tools that we currently have to help get there as fast as possible? How do we get all the departments involved? How do we have common language about volunteers so there's no turf wars between this department and that department about volunteers? How can we be in a common mission? How do we, how do we develop personal calling where it is the norm and not the exception? And volunteerism actually becomes more valued because now it's a step in a journey. Yes. And not just a cul-de-sac. Yeah, you yeah. Know, now I'm engaging volunteerism because it's my next step in my personal calling. Yeah, we talked about that in shift two, and man, Ralph Moore, his, his insight into that was so compelling. So if you haven't checked that out, check out, you know, uh, episode two of this podcast, or episode three, I guess, uh, shift number two. But here's the thing, that whole kit, all that stuff's available there for you, and it's normally 499 uh, You also get a 30-minute coaching call with that 499 like go through all the materials check it all out write down your questions and then you get 30 minutes with one of our coaches to just process and and start to go to the next level um in that effectiveness it's 499 but here's what we want to offer you i want to offer you 25 percent off right now to go and do that and uh all you need to do is when you register for that at givepassionstory.com register for the gold kit it's the one in the middle and all you need to do is when you click that is add the discount code podcast GPS podcast GPS. You heard about it on the podcast podcast. In other GPS, words, you'll get 25% off pod GPS pod GPS. <laughs> so all you need to do is write pod GPS and then send Rob a tweet or a text and his telephone number is. <laughs> and if you name one of your children, Jod, Jod, what is it? Pot Jippus, you get it for free. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to be done. Hey, Pot Jippus, let's let's move away from we can do it and you can help. That's that puts so much burden on us as church leaders to a beautiful, beautiful role of helping people accomplish what God has made them to do. And you're going to want to come back next week. Check out our interview with Jeff Vanderstelt on this topic. Uh, Jeff started with himself and a few family members and a few friends, and now they're mobilizing missionary disciple makers in 40-something cities. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's really one of the more compelling stories in the church in the West in our time. And they have created a culture of equip. They've created a culture of, you can do it, we can help. So it's going to get really tactical, really helpful, and we look forward to sharing that conversation with you. Yeah, and speaking of share, share this. If you have found this to be valuable today, make sure that you share this. Social media, whatever it is, with your friends. Say, hey, come on. This isn't just a podcast. This is a family. This is a tribe. This is a group of people on mission to absolutely restore the church to our fullest potential that God had for us. See you next time. We hope that what you heard today was an encouragement to you or that it increased your curiosity in making disciples that make disciples. If you'd like to learn more about our experiences or set up a coaching call, you can visit us at disciplesmade.com or email podcast at disciplesmade.com.